0: podo
1: you're listening to movers and shakers a podcast about living with parkinson's the show is generously sponsored by boardwave an exclusive european networking community for software ceos boardwave is a passionate supporter of cure parkinson's For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising please visit cureparkinsons.org.uk Hello and welcome to Movers and Shakers. I'm Rory Catlin-Jones, and no, uh, I'm not in the pub this time. For the last two editions of this series, we've decamped to another location, which we'll reveal in a minute. This week, we're delving into the mailbag to read some of the many great messages you sent us. Let's start, though, by seeing who's here. Nicholas Morstan. Paul Mayhew Archer. Jeremy Paxman. Mark Mardell.
2: Angeline Lacey-Solomar.
1: And, Gillian, you can now reveal... The secret location where we've been
2: Well, I can say that we're in NW3, which is Hampstead. And we're here because it's our home, and we thought we'd have a Christmas party. So once the work is done, we have lots and lots of cheese, which may not be a typical Christmas party. But we can't cook, Mike and I, I'm afraid, but we can melt cheese with the best of them.
1: Also, the other thing I should say is how great it is to see Paul. Hello. Because... You've been absent a couple of times because you had some excuse. Yes, I had my
3: brain being drilled into. Yeah,
1: which is a decent excuse. How how did that go?
3: Well, uh, I'm here. I'm alive. (laughs) I'm sort of okay, and I'm not in any pain at all. They haven't switched it on yet. They've drilled some holes in my head. And they've shoved some things inside them. What did they find in your head? Well, just <laughs> n- nothing, I think. <laughs> and, and it took about six hours. And there's also a thing in my chest, which is this side of my che- the right-hand side of my chest has a sort of scar because I've uh, got a battery pack in there and they will be able to recharge. It. You're looking very well. Does it Do feel I? any different? Well, because they haven't switched it on, I'm not sure how different it's meant to be. The day after... I felt fantastic. I was released from the hospital um, the very next day. And we went out and someone took a picture of me and I looked more animated than I'd looked in in ages, which was very interesting. But the only thing is a word of warning to people having DBS. Because when I was released from the hospital the very next day, they sort of went through everything of all the things that I needed to do and needed not to do after having had the operation. And I sort of listened to all this, and I realised later, I can't remember a single word of what they said. Oh, not yeah. a thing. And this became apparent because a friend of ours took some notes, came with us, and took some notes, and Julie also took some notes. So it was very revealing when uh, two days later, I thought, oh, I'll have a bath. And it was while I was sitting in the no, bath no. that he said, no, you must not have a bath. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing you can do. And then I realised that I should have switched on the charging mechanism and checked that the charger works. And I hadn't done that. I just hadn't done any of it. So I mean, have
1: you always been forgetful or is this completely new? No,
3: this is, this is new. You were
1: razor sharp. Oh. before. Well, not razor way. sharp. Well,
3: welcome versus, to my world. Uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it is, it is extraordinary. And also I didn't seem to worry about it.
4: You've got a horrible scab on your head. Yeah, <laughs> well, they put a drill in there. Yes, well, thanks <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah. Paul. Anyway, yes. I'm all right. For and all. the You're next big date is
3: January the 2nd because that's the date they actually switch on the, the wires. And I go... You go live. No. Yes. It's, it's live. fantastic to have you back. Bizarre. Yeah, it is. It is.
1: And we'll, we'll report back on that in our next what series. Is, going be like,
5: we're going to have our tame guinea pig. It's going to be tremendous, isn't
1: it? It is. <laughs> and I have
3: to say that the surgeon and the
5: anaesthetist
3: and everybody were marvellous. Yes.
1: We're here to read out your letters. Uh, and we're going to have two rounds, each reading out one letter that we've chosen. And why don't we go first with you, Paul?
3: Okay. My first pick is about Diet. Which is another subject that I haven't been taking seriously enough. Sarah Tolbert sent us actually a, a lovely email, and then in the middle of it, she suddenly dished out the dirt. It was, <laughs> I was truly flabbergasted. She says, by the diet episode and the reactions that some of the M and I am astonished that such erudite, privileged people <laughs> fail to take action and find things out themselves. Do some research. <laughs> she says. And then she goes on to say, I was diagnosed nearly three years ago and I found out on day one how to optimise my levodopa by avoiding protein and by timing my meds. She's got a point, hasn't and she? And she has got a point and she's absolutely right. The thing is, I didn't find out about diet on day one but
4: in not dif- tell you about it well in defense
3: yeah. yes partly because day 1 for me was 13 years ago and i don't think anyone thought about diet then they were only just starting to think
1: about it well exercise. but those of us who were diagnosed much more recently i mean i certainly wasn't told anything about Nothing. diet no
2: well, plus, you know, you were saying that you don't remember stuff, that you were told after your DBS. Yeah. People apparently forget 90% of what they're told when they're diagnosed because they're so shocked to have been diagnosed. Yes.
0: And you're also told to yeah. avoid Googling symptoms and Googling everything and just end up panicking yourself. Yeah,
2: it's a bit of a no-win situation. Yeah. You've yeah. you do, if you don't.
3: But the, can I just add, the worst thing is that even though I do now know a lot more about diet, I still eat the wrong things at the wrong time. Yes,
1: I've got to confess, bacon and eggs 10 minutes after my pills, <laughs> yeah. not a good move. And I'm I'm
3: a vegetarian, which means that my protein has to come from dairy, and that's not good, that's not... Doubly good at bad. At all, yeah, doubly yeah. bad, yes.
4: I thought it was chocolate. Well, yes, dairy <laughs> and we- chocolate. I mean, your weakness. Yeah, I'll be dead by <laughs> Jeremy, we, we, we've got a letter
1: that you've chosen. It's from a fellow fan of fishing, I believe.
4: Stephen Ramsey it is. I've been listening with interest, usually when driving to a fishing venue to a podcast since the first episode. I've been obsessed with mostly bass fishing for almost all my life. And since my diagnosis has taken on a new dimension, I was disappointed but understood when Jeremy said he had given up fishing because of the dangers of falling while wading. There are so many different fishing methods that don't need to wade in water. Well, you can... Fuck off!
1: (laughs) (laughs) I must apologise, (laughs) Mister. We need the bleeper, (laughs) Mister Ramsey. He didn't mean it. So you're not impressed. You're not going back fishing.
4: No, I'm not, because you know if you're if you're a convert to a particular kind of fishing, trout fishing, salmon fishing, for example, you know you you can't take a conversion course. Oh. And
3: could you not trust yourself to be in the river if someone was with you, watching and making
1: sure you were safe? Well, that'd
4: be so boring, wouldn't it, Paul? Well, fishing is really boring anyway. Isn't it? <laughs> well, no, it's um... fascinating. <laughs> <But> oh, dear, <laughs> sorry, that's my pills
0: alarm.
3: <laughs> but, it, but if you caught a particularly Because he talks about catching a particular fish and a really big one and a juicy, plump one, he says... And it made him feel so much better in every other way. So if you went back and had a go out fishing and landed a terrific fish, it might make you feel less... Confident. It
4: might. It might.
1: I don't think Jeremy's convinced that. Uh, Mark, i
4: am going to come and share it with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mark Mardell, I think you've got something about the way doctors are trained.
0: Yeah, Rob doesn't have Parkinson's himself, but he's a devoted listener. And he did train as a doctor, although he doesn't practice. And he says, doctor's training is all about illness and injury, but what is widely lacking is teaching the very simple concept these phenomena do not occur in isolation. They always happen to a person, and it's the person who needs care and treatment, not the condition. Sadly, it's also the care element that's generally lacking. Just another day at the office for the doctor can be life-changing for the patient. He's got loads and loads of suggestions, but they boil down to respect, I think. And he says, for instance... The doctor should always show respect for the patient. Standing up and introducing himself properly when the patient enters the consulting room is a small but important demonstration of this. Hear, hear. And uh, he's got lots of suggestions, but they're in there along the nice guidelines. Um, He says, we've done more for... If we get these messages out, then you have achieved more than medical schools do
1: in five years. We we have given doctors quite a hard time. I have to say, my doctor personally, when I get to see him, he's great um, Mm -hmm. and gives me far more time than than i expect quite often and i find myself thinking what about the next patient but it's the rarity of seeing them and the fact that there's nothing in between the lack of a sort of general support system uh judge nicholas mostyn sir nicholas mostyn
5: judge retired what have you got for us i've got a letter from ben kinsey who says that he's the son of someone living badly with parkinson's he says i can't tell you Enough, how grateful I am that you've coalesced like a bunch of rogue proteins. <laughs> a slightly baffling metaphor, but there we are. To bring us to this incredibly informative podcast. And he says, your podcast represents the light at the end of the tunnel and should be prescribed listening. Well done, all of you. But his feedback is, one, I often hear your guests speaking about your medical team or your Parkinson's team. He says, I appreciate that those with high levels of private medical care may have such a thing, but for those using the NHS, there doesn't seem to be such a thing. He said, it would be really helpful if your guests could try to reference the closest thing within the NHS, if there is an equivalent, or whether it's simply your GP or some other equivalent in the NHS. Now, in relation to that point, I've tried to make clear at every opportunity that I'm treated under the NHS, as I believe is everybody around this. I am. We're all treated yep. around the, yeah. on the NHS. Everyone is. We don't quite get your gold-plated we service there. We don't. Them. No, we don't. True. But so when we talk of our, our team, we are all referring to our particular NHS teams, but it is true that one of the perennial themes of our podcast is that the standards of treatment of people with Parkinson's within the NHS varies enormously. So there's no doubt about that. Now, his second point which is a slightly melancholy point, is this. It might be good to get a couples therapist on as a guest, ideally with experience of issues developing as a result of Parkinson's. Your recent episode, Partners, was great, but some relationships are under strain as a result of the condition. I would say to that, I think that your point about the strains that the condition can put on a relationship is a very good one.
1: There was another letter, which I don't think we used, talking about... When, when the carer themselves get, get ill and the extraordinary strains there. And that yes. must happen in quite a lot of cases. Yes. I mean, I'm not we, surprised. Our, our, our it's horrible. Epi- our yeah.
5: episode about our partners, all our partners were extremely supportive, but we have to recognise the reality that sometimes the uh, development of the condition can put tremendous strain on a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there have I think been, it
0: does even if they are supportive. Yeah. Even, even
5: if they are supportive, supportive yes. And yeah. So that's a point well made, that was, in my opinion. Gillian, you've
2: got a letter for us. I have indeed. This is from Bill Bessick. Actually, we scrambled this letter, Paul and I, so we cut it in half, and Paul has half and I have half. So my half says, he talks about being positive, basically, and he says, the major lesson learned from my experience is that all performance starts in the mind. When faced by challenge, being diagnosed with Parkinson's for example, people have a choice between fighter or victim mentality. Immediately after receiving the diagnosis, I was aware I'd gone into victim mentality Parkinson's had me, he says. I didn't have Parkinson's. Fortunately, I have a very strong family around me and quickly return to fighter mentality. Thus, he says, it's very important to develop a strong attitude to the challenges, to our condition. Although, having said that, we all have the odd day when we feel like a victim. And I kind of chose this because I love the idea of being positive about stuff. But it's quite difficult as a concept, especially when you're British, you know. You don't want that kind of vacuous American breakfast TV of kind of, hi, we're all great, you know. But it makes a huge difference being positive because of this. I think particularly because it's a brain illness and the mind-body connection is very, very strong. I know when I feel miserable, I can't walk. When I feel cheery, I can.
1: Is it, is it as simple as that? Because sometimes you can't walk because... Physically, you can't walk. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not as You were dinner simple. the other night and you, yeah. you had one of your freezing episodes, which is kind of terrifying. And it, it w- wasn't because you were miserable, it was because... I know.
2: No, I quite cheery well, then. Yeah. Are
3: you sure which comes first? Is uh, it the well, if chicken I'm, that can't walk or is it the...
2: Well, oh, I can't eat either. Ah. But it's not um, just... Feeling miserable. No, unfortunately. If it were, that'd be quite good because on the whole I'm quite cheery. But, I was going to say, uh,
0: generally, I think we're a pretty positive, optimistic bunch, aren't we? I yeah. think
4: one of the reasons <laughs> people listen to this podcast is because we are, by and large, pretty cheerful. And we're also people with Parkinson's. I, th- I think you're right, Jeremy. We're not universally cheerful, I would
1: say. No, we're <laughs> not. You're being grumpy, actually. Do no. you think of anyone? Oh. I can't think of anybody. No, no, no. No, no. Moving <laughs>
2: rapidly onwards.
1: It's my turn now. This is a letter which tells us a lot about the things we're worried about, about poor standard of care. It has a sort of happy ending, but in a conditional way. It's from Avis whose husband has got Parkinson's, or they thought he had. Back in February this year, my husband visited his GP with Parkinson-like symptoms, arm and hand tremor, poor gait in left leg. He eventually heard he had an appointment with a neurologist at the John Radcliffe in Oxford on the 13th of October. On the 21st of September, he had an email cancelling his appointment and later another, giving him one for March 2024. Obviously massively unsatisfactory to wait months Actually a year, over a year between visiting the GP and getting a neurologist appointment. So she then said we're going to see a private consultant in in early November. And I wrote back on our behalf saying we'd all agree that this is this is disgraceful and she ought to make a fuss. And she wrote back again a much more cheery letter. I'm not entirely sure she had made a fuss. She, they had gone and met what she calls an excellent consultant on the 6th of November. She doesn't say it was private, but she's since confirmed to me he was private. This consultant was definitely 10 out of 10 for diagnosis, delivery and bedside manner. We left feeling very relieved and supported. The positive diagnosis didn't surprise us and we're glad no other invasive tests were needed. My husband began the dopamine medication immediately and so far so good. His GP seems to be responding to the diagnosis and has arranged a visit by a Parkinson's support nurse. Too, so she's very upbeat, and suddenly the NHS has swung into action, but only because she went private.
2: I've heard that before. And, Lots and, of people go private first, yeah. and then try and, and get into I, the
1: NHS. I, I was discussing this with my wife this morning yeah. because I think there is a kind of hidden epidemic, as it were, mm. of people being forced to go private when they really shouldn't be in it, all sorts of areas. It, not yeah. Just yeah, we were on the verge when I broke my arm and the NHS wouldn't mend it. My wife said, This is crazy. We're gonna go private. But just in the nick of time we didn't but there
0: are all sorts of areas I mean, like dentistry, I mean you can't get a dentist, can you? Which is No.
1: No. So effectively for particularly elderly people for things like hip replacements, things that are not luxuries. It's not as if we're we're looking at cosmetic surgery. People are finding themselves, if they want prompt treatment, being forced to go private. Right, we're on round two now. Paul, I gather you've been greedy and swept up a whole bunch of some of the best letters and taken them from us.
3: I did. So anyway, one of the... As Gillian has mentioned, uh, Bill Bezic, and uh, one of the other things he says is that uh, when Clint Eastwood was asked uh, how he could start directing a new movie at the age of 88, Clint replied, I wake up every morning and I don't let the old man in. (laughs) And the thing is, we get a lot of letters from people who, it seems to me, don't let the old man in or don't let the old (laughs) woman in. They keep being cheerful by doing things. Faith Gardner, for example, found her voice getting weaker and weaker, but instead of just getting weaker and weaker, she set up her own choir in Ayrshire. Bob Johnson has taken up Tai Chi. Prue Davenport retired in 2018, but says, I recently asked my old boss if there was anything I could do at the office. I am now there three mornings a week archiving and my whole world has changed. I have constant pain, but the company has lifted me more than my meds could. The message of these letters is about how we need to do something, join something, meet people, and never ever give in. And I'll be honest with you, these podcasts do wonders for me. A few days ago, something happened which really annoyed me at the time and then as I thought about it I found I've been looking forward to telling you about it because it is so absurd and the thing that happened was I was making an omelette and I know it's not the best thing to make because of the diet and protein of eggs but anyway I was making an omelette and I was cracking open an egg but because my hands are so clumsy, thanks to my Parkinson's, the eggshell disintegrated <laughs> and I watched as in slow motion the egg yolk slipped out of the shell, slid it across my work surface and then slipped off the work surface, not onto the floor, but into the open drawer <laughs> <laughs> which contains all our cutlery. Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking that is ridiculously stupid thing to do. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to share with you the fact that I look forward to coming to these things and meeting you all, and uh, I think friendship and uh, compassion. I think that's
4: absolutely key. It, is. it you've, is. You've got to have a sense of comradeship. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Jeremy, you're going to cheer us up even more. You've got a letter praising us. I have a letter praising us, yes. From a woman called Sophie. From Sophie. She says um, it's helped her family in dealing with her dad's Parkinson's. The process of getting the diagnosis, working out the right treatment, dealing with the side effects and all the rest has been a hell of a journey for me and for particularly my family, my parents. Your podcast has provided us with many moments to laugh about. My dad found it useful to find people to relate to. I think he relates most closely to me. (laughs) To you, Jeremy. (laughs) That's uncalled for. (laughs) (laughs) And to feel a little less alone with things, although I think he wishes he could come along for a pint sometime. Well, you're welcome. We're we're inviting anyone can come along to to one of these pints. And Mark, you've got a a letter about Parkinson's
1: nurses.
0: Yeah, this is from Liz Wilson, and she said she's just received an email telling her that Nottingham University Hospital NHS Trust Parkinson's nurse service has been withdrawn due to staff absence. She says this is devastating news to any Parkinson's sufferers. they've always provided a fast response to queries and questions that are left unresolved can cause distress. Surely withdrawing the service would just put more pressure on overloaded Parkinson's consultants, which is true. She got in contact with her MP who asked them what was going on and she got this reply from the chief exec. The Parkinson's service currently experienced significant sickness in our specialist nurse team, which has reduced our capacity to manage the support line. Due to financial and managerial constraints, we're working through the process to recruit more staff to help support this valuable service. And it seems weird. I mean, I had the same with my voice therapist. They cut the service. I got the therapy in the end. I've got one more left to go, which I'm looking forward to, and it's a great service. They've cut the staff, or at least the staff left, and they haven't replaced them. And I was trying to find out why, whether it's aren't the therapists, they can't afford them. It's very difficult to find out, but it just seems a bizarre thing. And I think it puts the emphasis on how important these other services, apart from we always go on about the neurologist, Parkinson's nurse, and those sort of things are really, really important.
4: Mm. I'd be interested to hear, though, from this person who said it was a valuable service. How many services are not valuable? Well, that's true.
3: Do you think some are not valuable, Jeremy?
4: No, I don't. Ah. They should replace them all. Why are you looking so smug? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. It's, it's a result
1: of the, it's the operation. It's, <laughs> it, yes. the, the smugness is a big symptom, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yes. Wow, you, you haven't read out the bit where he bigs us up. Oh,
0: right, she, yes. Liz. Liz, so, yes, Liz goes on. I think the podcast Movers and Shakers, which is brilliant, funny, sad, happy and fabulously informative... Yay! ...is destined to become the support network and source of information for Parkinson's. Is this really what it's come to? Yes, <laughs> it is! Yes.
1: We rule That's the world. terrible. We, yeah. we, we poor old crocs are all that is holding the, the world together. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes. We stand between the, the disease and the chaos. chaos. Yes.
5: Uh, and we mm. will
0: be campaigning, perhaps. Mm. We something. will indeed.
5: Judge, Nick, what have you got? I have... An email from Robert Frati, who writes about the use of vitamin B1. He says, as my English will tell you, I am French, but I'm married to an English woman, so it could be worse. Uh Oh,
2: my God, a Frenchman with a sense of
5: Uh humour. We listen to your podcast, and it makes me smile, always good, and think, sometimes good. I've been diagnosed five years ago, and like every single parky, I've been looking to every possible angle to try and find alternatives or complements to the levodopa. And I discovered... B1, He means vitamin B1, which has been promoted by a doctor in Italy. It seems to get quite a lot of traction in the USA. I've been using thiamine for three to four years now, but I haven't heard much about it here in the UK. What about a podcast on that one? I think we have mentioned it, actually. Somebody did mention Uh, uh, it uh, during the diet program, Mm. B1. I'm uh, going to give the response in this way, which is its (laughs) deliberate provocation to Jeremy. So I am putting on my helmet and battening down the hatches, and I'm going to do it in this way. Merci Robert, c'est très intéressant. Oh, je je no n'avais stop. aucune connaissance de l'utilisation de la thiamine pour traiter les symptômes de la maladie de Parkinson. Merci you beaucoup. <laughs> C'était excellent, je dirais. So that it's been mentioned before I've had absolutely no knowledge of uh, thiamine being used for the treatment of the symptoms you're getting forgetful yes judge. well I'm afraid yeah. join join <laughs> my club but for forgetfulness but
1: now I've got a letter which I think may point the way forward for Parkinson's care Trudy has complaints about how the system works, but also ideas on how to improve matters. None of us are stupid, yet we all need advice and support to understand our condition and look at how we should change our approach to all aspects of our lives when living with Parkinson's so that we keep as well as possible for as long as possible. Hear, hear. The NHS cannot meet the needs of the growing Parkinson's community. We outnumber them. And so if you can get an appointment, it is rushed and doesn't ever really meet your needs. Why not have a monthly Parkinson Hub Day? One dietitian can address a large number of patients in one go, and using IT, the information we need can be presented and supported or even personalised. Face-to-face Zoom appointments can speed up and reach many more patients. This approach could be adopted to meet all areas of Parkinson's. What she's talking about is that... It's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I'm on this patient committee for this idea. I've talked about it before, that they're trying out in the southwest, where it is not the consultant or nothing. It's a range of people, and they can be contacted by phone, and they keep a sort of general eye on you. And it's called home-based care, because most of it, it doesn't involve coming to the hospital. So that could be
4: a way forward if it can be afforded. Which but is we problem. should be realistic, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is a journey that we're all on, mm. and mm. it's only going to one place. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah well, well that's, but that's
2: yeah. true. The entire human population, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's
4: it that's, is. It's just uh, that thing, things seem to be accelerated when you have. Yes, problems. we
5: seem to yeah, be put into right. fast lane, don't
1: we? Yeah, yeah. not necessarily. Gillian, you should. have got our final letter. I
2: do indeed. Mine is one of semantics, actually. It's from Margaret Blaine, and she talks about carers. And she talks about her husband. She says, let me read the letter. We have just listened to the partner's episode while driving home from Devon. If we'd driven it into an unsuspecting car or bridge, it would have been your fault, she says. I have the most unbelievably supportive husband who's moved to tears at the slightest thing. But this episode hit that button smack in the middle. He does, however, she says, hate the word care and refuses point blank to use it, or be labelled as such. He is, I think, about to start a campaign to have everyone in this situation called pillars, which I rather like. Pillars,
4: pillars, yes, it's pillars. a bit
2: close to pillars, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or pillows? Or, or pillows, indeed. No, pillars, pillars. There we are. Listening to all the spouses talking so movingly about the realities of living with this incredibly frustrating and omnipresent gremlin. On the shoulder, they too are pillars, in fact, she says, of Corinthian proportions. What do you think of that? I mean, when we were in Barcelona, we met a lovely lady who said she didn't want to be called a carer. She wanted to be called a PA, mm. because, uh, which would be a Parkinson's assistant, yes, which I rather like to have. And yeah. I kind of think of Mike as my rock, which is, I suppose, like a pillar. <laughs> Well, I think it's a
0: nice idea, but you never get people to change the words, do you, like that? No. I don't like the term carers for some reason. It makes me shiver. I don't know why. It's an acceptance it that
1: you're, you're, you're on the way out. You yeah. it's, uh, some, I, yeah. I call my wife Diane generally, not not hello carer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and sort of enforced caring as well, which is sort of... Yeah. That's what I don't like the sound of, that somebody has to care for you.
1: Why don't we wrap up by just mm. reflecting on the sheer extent of this mailbag and how many fantastic letters we, i mean some of the ones we picked out are the more negative ones but i've just been overwhelmed by how enthusiastic people are about what we're doing and it's kind of it's, it's really motivating
2: yeah i mean when paul says that he looks forward to these sessions we look forward to the sessions and we look forward to the mailbag as well it's yeah. just so lovely reading through the emails and you know, if ever you needed a boost, you just go to those and look through them and see that we are making a difference. I don't know how really, because we were just six people in a pub, but somehow. And also, it's, it's we, we're selling a lie
3: in a way, aren't we?
2: I don't because, know. What's well, a lie? It's, it's, it's a strange thing.
3: There's another letter from Malcolm Johnson who says, your panel members do not appear to have any problems speaking without errors and using sometimes difficult language. Sometimes I have to stop halfway through a sentence because I cannot remember a crucial word. Does anyone on your panel have this problem? Yes. And we yes, (laughs) we all all do. Yes. And and yet somehow we manage to sort of. String together some And sort do you know of yes. why that so, is?
1: There's a man sitting in the corner listening to us with who a, does with not a, have Parkinson's. Who does not have Parkinson's with an anguished look on his face thinking, oh. how on earth am I going to edit this into something that makes sense? And yes. somehow, him? He's, he's called Nick. He's called Nick. It's and good help. luck with this episode, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, and I think it's an important point, though, that I mean, the, the, the podcast, it's so lovely reading so many nice messages and it gives me such a warm feeling. I mean, I've done like we all have, or most of us have. Loads of journalism in our life, and and I hope some of my journalism has informed people. But I've never actually felt it made a real emotional difference to people in the way that you do feel this, and that's it's a lovely feeling.
3: Do you have a you have a different feeling from doing this than from doing the journalism? You know, being well, yeah. I mean, I thought BBC's you know, it was really important man to, in America. Or, you know. I thought
0: it was really important to inform people about. Uh, Europe for the BBC, and then they yeah. voted for Brexit. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, you know, you do feel it's important to keep people informed and up-to-date. I don't know how you... But you
4: have it. an
1: emotional connection. I, don't think,
4: I think it's the fact that we're addressing one particular problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 And anyone who tunes into this wants to know about Parkinson's.
0: Well, I think it was the point that Jeremy just made a few moments ago, that it, we're all headed. I mean, we may be going at reckless speed to the one direction but I mean everybody's going the same way it's all human life writ large here
1: You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me Rory Catherine-Jones and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman the show is produced by Nick Hilton for Podo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lucat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter, at Movers and 6 That's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week.